It's your coach, Coach Cam. We talking hoops, baby. We talking hoops. Uh-huh. Coach Cam on the podcast. We talking hoops. Don't you leave them open. Don't you know that coach can shoot? We talking hoops all day. That's what we do. That's NBA, D1 to D2, AAU, D3, G League, overseas, highlights, offers, transfers that want to leave. We talking hoops, that's every week With Coach Cam dropping gems for the hoop fiends uh, And to my fans with the hoop dreams Stay shooting, stay hooping Buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do Cause this is Coach Cam and we talking hoops Kid, kid, we talking hoops We talking hoops, baby Here's your coach, who knows hoops the most Coach Cam Back for another episode. This episode number seven mile coming at you foul. Back for another one. This week, of course, we're gonna talk the NBA finals. We're gonna talk about some college hoops, little draft board action, some coaching changes, uh, some guys getting hired into some new positions. We're gonna talk travel hoops, and we're gonna introduce uh, our high school segment. Talk some high school basketball in Michigan, and I'm also gonna talk about. Uh, my top five basketball movies I had a chance to watch a classic basketball movie today. So here's where I want to start off with the NBA Finals. All right. I'm not changing my tone. Last week, I said this was going to be a short series. It was going to be the Warriors in four or five, possibly a sweep. And I'm not going to change my tone just because the Raptors won one game on their home court. I'm not doing it. Okay. Some media outlets, they've been picking the Raptors and seven, Raptors and six, and they jumping on this Toronto bandwagon. And I'm not going to be the one. Did they have a good game in game one? Yes, they did. Did they come away with a win? Yes, they did. But I'm still not changing my prediction. Okay. The Warriors will still win in five. And until that is not done, is when I will come in here and apologize to you guys about me being wrong. But I ain't wrong yet. I ain't wrong yet because the Warriors won game two pretty convincingly in my eyes. They dominated from the third quarter on. They dominated the game. You know, the Raptors had to pull out some gimmicky boxing one just to keep them close in the game in the fourth quarter. You in the NBA using the boxing one in the finals? Come on. You're already behind in the game. So I want to recap game two. And last week I told you guys that the Warriors – uh, don't get enough credit for their defense. And that showed. It showed in the third quarter because from the end of the second period, going into the third quarter, they go on a 20 to nothing run. Toronto goes six minutes and doesn't score a basket. They don't score a point. They go on a 20 nothing run. Now, I'm counting the last two, uh, the second quarter. But they go on a Let's just, let's just say the third quarter. They go on an 18-0 run to start the third quarter in six minutes. But the thing that people don't really understand or give credit to is the fact that they held them scoreless for six minutes. That's half of an NBA quarter. So they went half of an NBA quarter and did not score. Now, did Toronto settle for some shots in this early third quarter? Yes, they did. Did they attack the rim like they did in the first half? No, they did not. They settled for some threes. They took some contested shots. They rushed a couple in transition, had a few turnovers. 
And the Warriors won the game in the third quarter. They dominated the third quarter. Like I said, they don't get enough credit for their defense. Their defense was really huge in this game. And I'll tell you what else was very huge in this game. Demarcus Cousins. The Boogeyman. Boogie, 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 Baby. The Boogeyman. I call him Boogie Baby. 11 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists in about 28 minutes, I believe. Those are big-time numbers, especially when you got Kevon Lewis hurt. You got a hobble Iguodala. James is still too young. He, you know, he hasn't really cracked the rotation yet just because he's just young. He, he don't really know. So they need interior play. He gives them a force inside. He does. And he's not that bad defensively. With Boogie in the game, they don't have to double ball screens. They could just blew it. The guard, well, let me tell you what, guys, what we call a blued ball screen, okay? Blue is ice coverage in the NBA. NBA, when you have a ball screen, this is for people that don't know my basketball minds. Of course, you would know. When you blue or ice a ball screen, you're forcing the defender, the offensive player, to use the screen. The guard is. Once they use the screen, the big plays back, so you're forcing them right into the big. And DeMarcus Cousins is pretty good at doing that. I mean, once in the first half, he got away, was able to get to the rim. But if you can make sure that guard doesn't get to the rim and they have to take a congested jump shot or, or the guard can get back into the play, that's huge. That's huge for them. Because they're, as you can see in the first game, they were not successful doubling the ball screen or even doubling Kawhi because you had to leave somebody open. And if you leave somebody open in rotations, somebody's getting an open shot. And one thing the Raptors were doing, especially in the first game, was making sure they passed up a good shot for a great shot. And the Warriors weren't doing a great job closing out. So they say, you know what? Let's adjust. Let's make the adjustment. Let's do less trapping, less double teaming. Because less double team means I don't have those opportunities where I have to close out and just leaving guys open with open shots. Okay, the first half the Raptors were pretty effective because they were getting they were getting open they were getting layups. Kawhi was getting to the rim, they was getting to the free throw line. I mean, Powell had a dunk down the lane. They were getting layups and open threes. And if you allow the Raptors to get layups and open threes, they're a tough team to beat. Now the second half was the second tomb. They went back, they adjusted. And the Warriors say, you know what? We're going to take away the layups and we're going to make sure that your open three is now a contested three. So that changed the game for them. And just to see the Warriors just take the air out of the building, take all of that air, Canada, just, just, just fizzled it out, out of the building. That was a huge momentum swing. And I'm sitting there watching the game and, and in my mind, I said the Raptors don't have a chance to win this series if they don't win this game. Because you're not beating them at home. You're, you're not, they've only lost one home game the whole, the whole playoffs. The whole playoffs, they've lost one home game. So they're not going to lose a home game. So you're basically going to Oakland, you're going to be down 2-0. And when you come back, the series is going to be 3-1. And if I know the champs like you know the champs, they're going to celebrate in Toronto. You let them get three wins, they're not going to let you sneak in another one. They said, we're going to seal the deal. Just like they did the Blazers game four 
and say, you know what? We're going for the sweep. This is it. Plus, by game four, you might have a healthy KD, a healthy Clay, and a healthy Steph. With DeMarcus Cousins? Come on, man. Now, game three might be the turning point of the series for the Raptors. If they could possibly sneak a win in Oracle, um, they might have a chance in this series in my eyes. But I just don't think I'm not I'm not bank I'm not betting on the Raptors. I'm not. I'm just not. Not against the two time defender champs working on a triple peat, three peat. I'm not I'm not betting against the champs until you beat them. You, you mean to tell me this this team has to lose four times? In order for them to lose four times, that means they don't have to lose a game or two at home. And it's not happening. So one thing you want to keep an eye on with this series is the injuries. And you're saying the Warriors are banged up. The Raptors aren't banged up. But here's this is the reason why the Warriors are banged up. Last five seasons, they've been to the NBA Finals, right? That means they played in at least an extra 18 and 19 games, right? Let's just say 20. They played an extra 20 games because in order to win it, you got to win 16 games. So in order to win the title, you got to play about 20 games. They're 82 regular season games. So you take those 20 extra games, you times that by four, they've played an extra season of basketball. So most people in the last four years have played four seasons of basketball. They've played five. So those miles, they add up and they add up and they add up and you get some injuries. And it happens. A couple guys might go down, but they still resilient enough to overcome the injuries because, you know, now you're seeing DeMarcus Cousins. He's going to be healthy. You know, even though Clay went down, now Steph really has to step up. And guys like Quinn Cook and Iguodala, they have to step up. Livingston has to step up. That's the thing about a championship team. When your brother falls down, you got somebody right there behind them to pick him up. Now, they don't necessarily have great depth. But when they're clicking and they know they got to be on top of it, they are. But pay attention to the injuries because if Clay has to miss a game or two here, that could be beneficial to the Raptors. If Iguodala is not 100% and can't play a game or two, that's going to be beneficial for the Raptors. Okay, if KD doesn't come back to game four or five, man, the Raptors get an edge. But I'm even me, I'm thinking, I just don't think the Raptors have enough. I, I think they're satisfied by making the finals. And they almost had to play a perfect basketball game in game one to, to win. And the Warriors were still in the game. They had to play a perfect game to win. I just don't see them playing perfect basketball for another three or four games in order for them to win this series. So I'm still going with the Warriors. I'm sticking to it. I am. And in game two, Green was phenomenal. He almost had a triple-double. Cousins was phenomenal. Clay did his thing. Curry did his thing, even though he started off pretty slow, 0 for 7. He still came through and had 20-plus points. All five guys were in the plus. When you do the plus-minus, when you look at the box scores, I'm, I'm the guy, I look at box scores. So when I looked at the box scores, all five Warriors plus-minuses were pluses. All five Raptors plus-minuses were minuses. That, that lets you know right there 
I let you know right there who was the aggressor in the game, who was making the real plays. Okay. And I want to talk about this boxing one. All right. This little boxing one that Toronto went to in the, in the fourth quarter. First of all, it's too early to be pulling that out. Nick Nurse, if that was your big joker, you can't be playing the big joker on the third hand. Your partner looking at you like, my man, like, you just going to play the big joker? Like, hey, man, hold on to that big joker. Take away an ace or something. Like, don't just be bringing out the big joker to third hand for what? He brought it out too soon. So I know he had planned on using it at some point because I'm sure they, they worked on it because it was pretty obvious. We're going to deny, we're going to deny Steph. The other four guys are going to play his own. All right. A box one is not going to work in the NBA. Same reasons why zones don't work in the NBA. Two threes or one, two, two. You're giving up. It's way too much space, way too much space, which is the same reason why you don't see teams try to pressure and, you know, get guys to turn and try to try. It's too much room. Players are too good to see your deficiencies to find the open man. You're going to give up an open shot. So they created that whole offense for Golden State on that last possession by going boxing one. Now, did they get some stops? Yes, they did. They were The Warriors were stuck on 106 points for about two and a half minutes because they couldn't make the open shot and they made a couple turnovers and it, it you know, granted, it got him back in the game. But come on, man. Boxing one in the NBA, you already showing that card? You pull that out in game six or game five. Your back against the wall is like, all right, now we do it to help you win the games. Because now they didn't pull it out and you lost the game. So now they got it on film. They can prepare for it. And the next time they see it, it's going to be boom, 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 open three, boom, 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 layup. Guarantee it. And ain't going to work now. So now you just, you, you showed them your whole, hey, you, you showed them everything. You played the big joker too early. So I, I just, I like Steph Curry said, he thought that that defense was a gimmick defense. And I, I agree. Very gimmicky. I'm not a gimmicky defensive person. I'm not the guy playing two, three zone and I'm going to trap the two guys up top. I mean, this is the odds. Me per, I would just rather just say, have some nuts, play some defense, guard your guy. Because that's what it's all about. It's about pride. Really? Shouldn't have to be pulling out no defense like that. So that's just my take on the boxing one. And for those of you who don't know what a boxing one is, it means there's one person just face guarding one player and the other four guys are in a zone or in a box. Okay? And I've had, I've had teams play a boxer one on one of my players before because I've had some pretty good players. And, you know, like I told, you know, said on my Twitter feed, you know, when that would happen, I'm immediately calling a timeout. Timeout. All right. And I'm asking my guys, do you understand what they're doing? Yeah, coach, they in the boxing one. Okay. That means your folk, these four guys, that means they don't care about you. They can say whatever. They just going to leave you open and we're just going to guard one person. So I would just tell them, listen, you four guys got to make some plays and you got to make some shots. 
My one is going to find a way to get his. He's going to get his. He's going to set some screens. He'll get an offensive rebound. and get in the transition. We'll, we'll find a way for him to score. We're not going to force it to him. But if you if they're just going to leave you open and not guard you, that means you can't play. And if you can't play, you can't be in the game. So if you can't be in the game against a box of one, I'm going to need to find somebody else. So that's how I, you know, played against a box of one. And normally we make a couple open shots, a couple threes, get a layup, an and one, and, you know, they're out of this box and one. But you got to be prepared for it too. I would always work on it in practice. I used to work on all those little gimmick defenses that I might see. We're going to work against a 1-3-1. One, one. We're going to work against a 1-2-2. Two, two. We're going to work against a boxing one. What do you do when there's a triangle two? What are you going to do when they diamond press? What are you going to do if they full court man, double fist, as, as Ken Flowers used to call it, full court press? All right, run a jump. What you going to do? That's, it's called preparation. So I always made sure my guys were prepared for that moment. But she ain't about the boxing one me and it be a, be effective. And shouts out to whoever taught Sean Livingston. You know, Coach Coach Jordan talked about this on Twitter at Coach Three One Three. He said, "Praise the coach that taught him to come to and through the ball." Because that saved the game for him, Golden State. They almost turned that over. They threw the pass to him, and, and instead of letting the ball come to him, he went to the ball and threw the we, we We call it two and through. To the ball, through the ball. Where instead of just waiting for the pass to come to you, you go to the ball, through the ball, you secure it, kick it out for open three, bang, game is over. And a couple of editors were talking about the shot. Like it was a bad shot, like, oh, man, that's disrespectful to leave him open. I mean, what else he's supposed to do is three seconds on the shot clock. He's supposed to just create a shot after that. He has to shoot the ball. And I'm glad he shot it and he made it. So that's the NBA Finals prediction. Again, I'm sticking with it. I ain't changing it until the Raptors win another game. And it might not happen. Warriors in five. Let's get it live. College hoops, baby. Last week, we congratulated Juwan Howard for taking the head coach position at the University of Michigan. And it seems like <clears throat> he's finally hired a staff, which is one of the very first things that you should do as a head coach. When you get a new job, you got to make sure that your staff is in place. So it looks like they're going to hire Phil Martelli former head coach at St. Joseph's and he's also going to hire Howard Isley. Howard Isley is assistant coach in the NBA now. He played at Boston College. He played for the Utah Jazz. He was teammates with Jalen Rose in high school. Very good player. Uh, really great guy. High character guy. Uh, has NBA experience. Played four years of college. Uh, played on a high-level basketball team in high school. So uh, basketball-wise, pretty in tune. Pretty in tune guy. And he's always been a high-character guy. I've been paying attention to him and um, other guys that he's played with out of Southwestern, that team, um, because that was just a very important group in, in, the, in the high school basketball landscape of things. And I paid attention to Howard Isley and, and Vashon Linder. I wanted to know what those guys did when they left uh, their college career. So uh, those are his two hires that they just announced this week. 
And I'm not sure. I'm not sold. I'm not sold on either. And here's why. Here's why I'm not sold on either hire. I get you got to have experience. Hire somebody that has college experience, head coaching experience. And you want to hire that guy to be your assistant. So I, I get why you would like to hire Phil Martelli to be your assistant coach. Um, but my thing is, he's really old. He's an old guy. I mean, he's he's probably pretty close to being done the next couple years. He's an older guy. So I, 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 w- I would like to see how the younger kids relate to him. Um, St. Joe's, I mean, what has he done in St. Joe's the last five or six years? I'm not sure. I mean, has he, has he had a high level recruit come out of there? Has he had a pro coming out of there recently? No, I'm not talking about Jamar Nelson. That was 20 years ago or close to. So it was a while ago since he had some studs. So, I mean, there is a reason why, you know, St. Joe's has let him go. Like, all right, we'll, we'll holler at you, Blair. Go on somewhere else. Go on. Go on. Get. Get. Your services are no longer needed I'm here. I'm tired of your presence. I mean, he was here for like 20-some years. So, I don't know. I'm not sold on Martelli and Howard Isaac. I know he's a great guy, high character. He'll be able to sit in your living room and, and, and you'll be like, okay, I can trust my child with him. But if you ask the average basketball player right now who Howard Isley is, and they would not have a clue. I know because I followed Detroit Southwestern. I followed him when he was at Boston College. I followed him when he was at Utah Jazz. I know who he is. The average basketball player is like, who? Who is who is Howard Isley? Come on, son. I don't I don't know, dude. And that's no knock. That's no knock on, on him. That's no knock on the guys that he can recruit. Because he might do a hell of a job recruiting. But I would much have rather him keep Dre Haynes than you bring on an old guy and a guy with NBA experience who ain't recruited the area. So, you know, Jawan has strong ties in Chicago. All right, we get that. And he's been following the circuit a little bit because his sons have, have played on high level on the circuit, the EYBL. So he's been following the circuit here a little bit. But come on, I, I just I, I'm not sold. I'm not sold. They, they're gonna have to show me. They're gonna have to show me that they really can recruit the, the Midwest because I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not sold. I'm not sold. And not to say that these aren't two great guys because they probably are. But at some point, and I've talked about this before. At some point, we got to get some fresh young blood in here. Come on, man. Give, give, give one of these young boys a shot to be great. Why are you hiring a guy that got 25 years experience? Let him go. His time is done. His time is done, man. I'm going to need some of these coaches to start hiring some of these young coaches, getting us in the game, teaching us the ropes, and giving us opportunities nobody else is going to give us. That's just my personal take on that. Right? Because some of these coaches, they get recycled, man. They have a job for 25 years. They go over here. They take another job for another 10 years. And, you know, they ride off in the sunset somewhere. Come on, give me some young blood in here. Give, give me somebody that's like, oh, oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Who is that? Wow. 
Where has he been in the last few years? You know, who is that coach? What's his background? Where did he come from? So didn't happen in this case. Um, so I would like to see what they're going to do. I really do. I'm, I'm really going to be playing a close eye to that because, you know, recruiting is everything. Recruiting is everything in the Big Ten. And if you can't bring in the big top talent, the thing Michigan has to figure out is how do we get in on guys like Isaiah Jackson? How, would, how do we get the Rocket Watts? How do we get those guys to come to Michigan? And when they get here, we got to play them. So there's no reason why you get, you know, a guy like Brandon Johns and a guy like David DeJulius and they don't play. It's like, come on, man. How that look? You got two Michigan guys on your roster that don't, that can't sniff the floor of Michigan, Mr. Basketball. You can't play at all at Michigan. Got a problem with that. I do. So I, I don't know what was going on, but I know they got to figure that out. That has to be figured out, you know. So that's the first thing they're going to have to get done at the University of Michigan. So had had this question asked to me this week. I thought it was a really good question, and I wanted to save it for the podcast because it was, it was insightful. It was very insightful um, how the question was worded. And I really had to take my time and, and think about my answer to this. So a colleague of mine was like, Cam, you get the job at the University of Michigan. Or if you're Jawan Howard, what does your first week on the job look like? And I was like, man, that is a that is an outstanding question. So your first day on the job, your first week. All right. Let's say you get the job on the Thursday. We can go Thursday to Thursday and I'm not going to go into specifics as two days. But first of all, his phone is blowing up off crazy. He's taking so many phone calls and talking to so many different people. There has to be somebody that he can trust to say, I just got this call from Kevin White. Who's Kevin White? I just got this call from Cam Nichols. Who's Cam Nichols? I just got this call from from Coach Q. Who's Coach Q? Now, these are guys that you should know, right? Guys have AAU ties. You should know those guys. But, I mean, he might not. He might have people calling his phone. He has no clue. So, first of all, you got to figure out who you need to talk to. And then you need to figure out the ones that's calling you, who they are, and if they are important enough to hold that conversation. You're going to be on the phone a lot. You're going to spend a lot of time on the phone and a lot of time away from your family. So, you got to tell, baby, for this next week, I might just be in my office. Right. I, you just if you need to find me, hopefully we don't have no young kids where I don't have to like babysit and change no diapers. But I'm going I'm going to be here. It's going to be some late nights in the office. I might have to come back and be in the office because I got a ton of phone calls to make. Right. I've got to talk to my players. I've got to talk to probably some pa- some parents. Right. Notable alumni. The powers that be, so the AD, you might, you're going to have to have a conversation with the AD and the head of compliance and the strength and conditioning coach. Notice that was the first guy he kept, they kept was the strength and conditioning coach. That was the first guy to say, you know what, we got to keep him because that's, you know, that's the meat and potatoes of your program right there. That's the structure. Got to have strength and conditioning. So you're going to spend a lot of time on the phone. 
just trying to figure out who you need to talk to. And you got to talk to the people that had the power to make decisions. And you got to find out who those people are. And you got to have them on your, your roller dial pretty fast. So the very first thing that you're going to have to figure out when you get the head coaching job is you got to figure out who to talk to and if who's calling you is worthy of your time because you're going to be making a lot of phone calls. The second thing that you're going to be, be able to do, you're going to have to have meetings. So you're going to have to have face-to-face -face meeting with your team. You're going to have to have a face-to-face -face meeting with uh, potential candidates to be on your staff. You got to have face-to-face -face meeting with the AD, uh, with the office, the compliance uh, people, whoever's doing your compliance. So you're going to have a lot of meetings. There's going to be a lot of phone calls. There's going to be a lot of meetings. Your day is going to be booked up pretty fast. You have to talk to the media. You have to talk to M Live. You got to talk to M Go Blue. You got to talk to the free press. You got to talk to the news. You got to have an official press conference. You got to have an official press conference when you talk to your team, too. So you're going to have a lot of, lot of phone calls and a lot of meetings. Okay, so after the, the meetings are going to be, you're going to have this every day. All right, you're going to have meetings and phone calls every single day for the next week or, or so or going further. And the, the, the quicker you get this done, the quicker it takes for you to, to, to get the wheels running on the job. The third thing that you, that's going to happen in this week, all right, you're going to put your staff together. The quicker you put your staff together, the easier it is for you to work. If you take a week to get your staff together, you're behind the eight ball because you just have so many things that you have to do. You're going to have to delegate some of that. So some of the recruiting, you have to delegate some of that because now you got to figure out, OK, who's committed? Who have we offered? What's our roster looking like? How many available scholarships do we have for 19? Do we still need to bring anybody for 19? What about grad transfers? OK, they lost a lot going to the draft. They lost Jordan Poole. They lost Iggy. They lost Charles Matthews. So how are you going to replace these guys? Are you replacing them with high school seniors? Are you replacing them with transfers? Or are you just going to save those scholarships for the 2020 class? All right. So that's something else you got to figure out. You got to figure out recruiting your players and players that are going to be on your team fast. You got to get Zeb Jackson on the phone to make sure that commitment is still withstanding. Oh, we got Zeb Jackson committed. Make, get me on the phone with him ASAP. Get me on the phone with his people. I might need to, we, not, we might need to drive down to Lima. I might have to have the sit down if it's in the rules for coaches to have, you know, face-to-face -face meeting and phone calls and things of that sort. So, you got to figure out who's on your team or an, and who is going to be on your team, right? Then after that, now it starts to settle down a little bit. Now you're in day four or five. You've had a lot of meetings. You've had a lot of phone calls. You've talked about your roster. You've talked about recruiting, okay? This is day four or five. Now it's time for you to have that press conference for you to say, okay, I'm hiring so-and-so. And when you hire so-and-so, you delegate some of these responsibilities that you've been doing for the last couple of days. You say, you know what? These recruiting calls that I've been making, I... coach, this is your job. Here's what I want you to do. I, I need you to, to get everything handled, get our board handled, 
you know, the guy, our targets, who we're going to be watching in July. I need you to handle recruiting for me right now because I got alumni on my back and they, they want to have, you know, they want to go and play golf. They want to have these meetings and I just don't have time to, to do the recruiting piece. So I'm going to have, you're going to have to do that. So in this week, you know, as you get your, your, your staff in there by like day four or five and you start delegating some of these tasks, then you can spend more time on, okay, let me make sure I call these four or five people today. Let me make sure I touch base with these people. Let me make sure I don't have any more meetings. Let me make sure I got all my guys eligible and I start looking at grades and start looking at depth charts. Now I can start getting a little bit more in depth to my actual team. And you might be able to squeeze a little bit of film in there too. Not a whole lot. You're not going to be able to watch a whole lot of film when you get your job in the first week. It's not going to happen. But you will have the opportunity to, to see the big picture. You know, what are you trying to accomplish with this team? Is this going to be a rebuilding year? Do we have enough to compete in the Big Ten this year? Or is it going to take us two or three years to be top of the Big Ten again? So you got to figure that out. So that first week on the job for Jerron Hopper is hectic. He's not going to have a whole lot of opportunity to sleep. He's going to be doing an awful lot of memory uh, meetings, an awful amount of uh, telephone calls from people from everywhere, people trying to get jobs, people that have, that have a player, people that have the coach they want to uh, refer to you. You have to have somebody in trust to point you in the right direction. So uh, that's what your first week looks like. Looks like a lot of phone calls and a lot of time away from your family. So do I think that he hired the right staff? Is it a good hire? I don't know. I don't know. Only time will tell. So the one thing I do want to pay attention to is where is son, where his stepsons are going to go to school? Where are they going to go to school? Are they going to stay at the school that they're at? Or are they going to move to Michigan with them? And if they do move to Michigan with them, what school are they going to go to? My sources have told me that they're going to attend Link, uh, Ypsilanti Lincoln. I wonder who plays for Ypsilanti Lincoln. Hmm. Amani Bates. Now, can you get a Monty Bates on campus? Yes. Can you start recruiting a Monty Bates? Yes. Is he going to play college basketball? No, 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 no. His class is going to be the class where you can go straight to the NBA. And it might even happen a year before that. So, you know, he's not going to play college basketball. But if they never sign that deal, because that CPA hasn't been signed yet, he's going to have to go somewhere. Why not keep eyes on them? Why not have your sons play with the best player in the country? Why not? You can only get better. And whoever's watching him is going to be watching your sons too. So wouldn't be surprised if you see that his sons end up at Ypsilanti Lincoln because the way recruiting goes, if I'm, I can watch my sons wherever. So if they're playing with base fundamental, I can watch my sons play outside of a recruiting period because I'm watching my sons. Now, I can't talk to any players. I can't talk to any parents. But if they enroll at Ypsilanti Lincoln, I wouldn't be surprised if they start playing with Bates Fundamentals. Wouldn't be surprised because you get a chance to see it all. So uh, that's just my take on Juwan Howard and his staff. I wish them well. You need any questions about any kids in Michigan, give me a call. Uh, 
I could be able to help you out, but I, I'm not sure on the guys he hired. I'm, I'm really not sure. So we had a commitment this week. Uh, Derrick Rose's uh, nephew committed to the University of Detroit, uh, Dwayne Jones Jr. Um, I had a chance to see him in Vegas uh, a few years back on the Adidas circuit. He's a good player. He's aggressive. About 6'2". Jump shot isn't all the way there. Um, Buddy goes hard. It's a really, really good player. Um, is he going to be all-league player first year in Detroit? Uh, probably not. I, I don't think so. Uh, I think he'll be able to play and make an impact, but he's not going to be all-league guy. All right? he He's not Mr. Derrick Rose himself. He's the nephew. All right? So... He's athletic. He can play. Matter of fact, when I saw them in Vegas, they beat the Mustangs for like 20 or 30 points or something like that. Uh, I want to say it was two years ago. Two years ago. Two summers ago, I saw him. So um, he committed to University of Detroit. And Mike Davis, is he sticking around for a while? He's got he's to gotta find some people, man. He's got to find some players. But the, the thing that people don't understand about the University of Detroit is that the Detroit coaches – they're not just going to give you players just because. You better have a relationship. You better be coming to our practices. You better be coming to some games. Because we're not just going to send you some players just to be sending you some players. The reason why we sent them to Perry is because Perry made a good job of connecting with the high school coaches. He made sure the coaches got paid in the summer by working his camp. And if the coaches got paid working the camp, who was all the coaches going to bring? All his players. So good to see that they signed somebody because, you know, the, the front has been pretty low on that spectrum. So, you know, shouts out to UAD and Derrick Rose Jr. for committing to the Detroit Titans. And once a Titan, always a Titan, man. I've, I've always been a Titan fan and will forever be a Titan fan. I know a lot of guys have played there. I live right down the street from Callahan Hall, and I used to ride my bike up there all the time and get kicked out of the basement gym and, Spent a lot of days and hours of sweat, grind to, to get to reach my dreams. So I'm a huge Detroit Titans fan. Huge fan. I'm always going to be paying attention to the Titans. And you should too. We talking hoops, baby. Now we talking travel hoops. All right. Like I said, I'm going to try to say travel hoops more instead of AAU because it's not AAU. It's travel basketball. And what my intel has been telling me over the last week or so, is that the EYBL might be done. This might be the last uh, spring or summer you have the EYBL in the capacity that is in now. Now, that capacity might change next year. The rules are probably going to change, and it's looked like that sponsored shoe programs are not going to be allowed to have tournaments. They're not allowed to have events where it's just shoe-only teams. Okay, so these certified events where Division One coaches can go to, Division Two coaches can go to, where it's just a shoe-sponsored event, they're not going to be allowed to go to those events anymore. And these teams are not going to be allowed to be directly sponsored by a shoe. So that's the intel I've been getting, um, is that it's going to be over for these, these shoe organizations and having these travel circuits where it's just one team where you got Nike here and you got Adidas here and then you got Under Armour here. Now, you might have events where you have all three. You might have 
a circuit where you have all three sponsored shoe circuits in in one room. Not not sure how that is going to work, but the way that it is constructed right now is going to change. I don't know if they're going to go from certified events to non-certified events. Um, you know, the EYBL has, has been pretty successful. Um, for it to just completely demolish and go away, it's going to be hard to it's going to be hard to see. All right, now will it be unsanctioned, where Division One coaches can't go? You might have that, but they also have the live stream spectrum. They've got that going on, and maybe they only have one live event, which is the Peach Jam. Maybe that might work. So I don't, I don't, I don't know how it's going to happen, um, but it's, it's coming down the pipe where these shoe sponsor teams and circuits will be no longer. So if that's the, if that's the case, then what's next? If I'm a shoe sponsor team and I can't, I'm, and I'm no longer can be sponsored by Nike, what's the importance for playing on that team? If I'm in Michigan, the team you want to play on is the family. Well, why? Because it's a Nike-sponsored program. Well, if Nike is no longer sponsoring the team and playing in the EYBL, and it's just like everybody else that's playing travel basketball in these events, then what's the, what's the perk of playing for that team? Now, you might have more NBA players have more impact and more money in these programs. You might have to tug the heels of, of Draymond Green to say, look, we're going to need you to cut a check so we can fund our program. But what are you going to do? What's the, why would you want to play for that team now if they're going to play in the same tournaments that everybody else is playing in? Kind of evens the, the playing field a little bit. Will teams and players still play? Yeah, they will. But they won't dominate the best players in the state. You'll see some other guys playing for other teams. So um, what I would like to see if this does happen, I would like to see all the Michigan teams get together. Why can't the Michigan team start a circuit? They're not sponsored by shoe programs. I've talked about it before. Put the Warriors, the Playmakers, Reach, the program, West Michigan Lakers, North Oakland, Wolfpack, the Warriors, a couple up-and-coming groups. I know I'm probably leaving out a few. Put them all in the same room, same tournament. Let's get it. Grand Rapids Storm, let's do it all together. Because the coach is going to come. There's plenty of players, recruitable players, in all of these programs. Come together. Come together. Make it happen. Michigan teams, let's, 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 let's do it. Let's do it. So um, that's that. You had the uh, junior NBA World Championships qualifier going on this past weekend. And, you know, I paid attention to the Midwest. And the family won it again. They're fortunate you uh, qualified for the Midwest. And they're going to be playing in the junior NBA World Championships. Congrats to them. Shouts out to that team. Really good young players on that team. You might see a few of them at Brother Rice with Coach Rick Palmer. He's been talking about getting a couple of those kids. Hopefully he does. Uh, I know there's one kid from Saginaw on that team. I, want to, I think his name is Tim Jordan Jr. I'm pretty sure that's his name. Uh, supposed to go to Arthur High School. Who knows what high school he's going to go to, but he's from Saginaw, big kid, uh, kind of in build, kind of looks Draymond Greenish. Now, talent level, I'm not saying it's there, but when you look at him, like, man, this kid, he's a, it's a big body kid to be an eighth grader. 
Um, so for the second year in a row, the family will be representing the Midwest region in the Junior World Championship. So congrats to them and their coaches for a, a heck of a job. Marcel Smith does a great job with that group, uh, was a dynamic player at, at Houston Baptist and at uh, Melvindale ABT. It's where he played high school. It was, man, he was a, a phenomenal player. And now he's, he's transferring that knowledge. It's another good young coach out here. We got some good young coaches out here, all right, that's, that's doing some good things. So shouts out to that team. I'm going to talk about a 12 and under team. All right. The Reach 12 and under team won the, the GR, GMBA uh, that's put on by the NY2LA, their uh, next generation basketball association. They won the 12 and under. Darius Acuff Jr. is the name you want to be watching. It's the best sixth grader in the country. I said it. He's the best sixth grader in the country. He plays well beyond his years. Well beyond his years. The kid can flat out ball and he's in the sixth grade. All right. So two years from now, when he's in the eighth grade and they're going to be playing in the junior world championships, I told you in 2019 that this kid is a stud. Now he's little, he's a guard, but he can play. So this month, you also got uh, team camps going on. Uh, got some really good team camps. The best ones I've, I've seen and actually recruited, Purdue, they have an outstanding team camp. If you have the, the opportunity um, to witness the team camp at Purdue, it is really good. They play a tournament. You've got the best teams in Indiana. They're all in there. You have some of the best players in the Indiana there. Um, it's really high-level play, high-level tournament. It's a really good team camp. Here in the state of Michigan, Michigan State usually runs a really good team camp. Their numbers have been down last couple years, uh, same as Michigan. Michigan runs a good team camp. Again, their numbers have been down the last couple of years. We're going to see. We're going to see uh, the, the best one in Michigan, in, in my eyes, is Oakland. Oakland team camp, you'll get the best players in the Metro Detroit area. You get some teams from Flint. You get some teams from Grand Rapids. You'll get some teams from you know, Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti. I mean, you get the best teams in the state there. And uh, Coach Campy does a good job. He takes care of the coaches and the players. And it's just a really good team camp. So um, I'll be giving you some insight. I might be attending a few team camps, uh, just checking out some players, making sure I know who is who, um, who's playing on the up and up uh, this summer because Travel Hoops takes it down. It's downtime for Travel Hoops. And it's uptime for high school basketball. Um, here in the state of Michigan and, and going forward. So uh, I'm going to roll that into a segment that I haven't done yet. We're going to talk some high school basketball, all right? So with high school basketball, you have team camps. And uh, who's going to be the favorite? Who's going to be the favorite for next year? Who am I watching? Who am I watching in June? You know, what teams am I paying attention to? All right, you want to pay attention to Detroit Cast Tech. Pay attention to them. They return a lot. They return Tyson Acuff, a Division I guard. Kyle LeGreer, he's a friends Division I, Division II guard. Uh, um, Isaiah Sanders, the big fellow on that team. They got, some they got some really good talent on that team. They return a lot. And for a team that won the PSL Championship last year, they're going to win it next year. You got to pay attention to Detroit Castec. It's just, can they, can they take that next level? All right, go from just being a good Detroit team to being one of the best teams in the state, all right? I would like to see them make a run, uh, get out of the districts, 
get out of your regional, get to a quarterfinal, make a run for the Braslin. And I think they can do that, uh, depending on if their pieces are playing together and playing well over the summer. So you want to pay attention to Detroit Cast Tech, and you definitely want to be paying attention to Ferndale. Ferndale made a regional final, and their three or four best players did not play a game. Well, those guys are eligible now because they transferred over from East English, and those kids are eligible now. So how are you going to stop that team? You know, they let those younger guys that they have over there, they got some experience and some kids that were there who you probably didn't know much about. They got a year experience under their belt. So you want to be paying attention to Ferndale. That team is loaded, loaded, and their June is loaded. They're going to a lot of team camps, and they handing out a lot of smoke. So when you see them Ferndale Eagles coming, when you see them coming, you better, you better stare away because they are coming for you. They got guards. They got bigs. They got depth. They got a great coach and Juan Rickman. Juan Rickman doesn't get enough credit, and I'm going to give him some credit on this podcast. Great young mind. Great coach. I've been knowing him since I was 12, and I'm not saying this because I've been knowing him for over 20 years. I'm saying this because the man knows his stuff. Kids get better in his program. He's sitting numerous players, Division One. He continues to send players Division One, and it's not a whole lot of coaches in the state of Michigan that can say they've sent a handful of players Division One. There's not a whole lot of coaches saying that. Ron Rickman can say that. And you start seeing kids from Ferndale getting offers and going to college and playing at a high level, come on, give the man some credit, all right? So Ferndale is a team I want to watch. I also want to see Ypsilanti Lincoln. I want to see if Namani Bates can do it again. I don't think he's going to do it again, though. I, I think he put everybody on notice. Um, now, if he gets Jawan Howard's sons, he's going he gonna to have some weapons. And he, he had some weapons this year, but they wasn't loaded like that. You know, I want to see it. Can he do it again? Will Imani Bates do it again? And what, from what I'm hearing, I'm hearing Isaiah Jackson is coming back from Spike. What school is he going to go to? Well, if you haven't already heard, my sources have told me he's enrolled at Waterford Mott. That's where his sister goes. Will he be eligible? I'm not sure. Should be. Play that spire. Transfer back home. Should be eligible. No different than Julian Dozier. He went to uh, prep school in Arizona, transferred back, went to UAD, immediately eligible. So he shouldn't have an issue. And if he does, that'd be sad if he does. Uh, not quite sure what else Waterford Mott has, but they're getting back Isaiah Jackson. That's enough. You put one or two guards around that, and that could be a game changer for them. So I'm paying attention to them. I'm paying attention to Ty Rogers, too, and Grand Blank. Ty Rogers, Kevin Rice. Uh, Kevin Rice was, was hurt a little bit this year. Um, I, I want to say it was an ACL injury or MCL. Not quite sure the injury that he had, but he missed a considerable amount of games. I would like to see that tandem uh, this year over the summer, see what they can do, see if they can turn the corner. Because Ty Rogers is, he ain't too far off from Imani Bates. Now, Imani Bates is tier one, tier one elite. All right. Ty Rogers ain't too far behind him. All right. Now, am I calling him elite? He's close. He's not quite there, but he's close. He ain't too far behind Imani Bates. So I want to pay attention to Ty Rogers and Grand Blake. Also want to look at Saginaw. Saginaw High, Surreal Smith, Freddie, John, Freddie McIntosh. What that, that might be one of the best backcourts in the state you haven't heard of. Those two kids are pit 
bulls. Like DMX. Pit bulls. You see them pit bulls coming at you. You, you might want to go a different direction. Want to pay attention to them. Great rapper discretion. I want to I see what Kobe Buffkin's going to do. Can he, can he go from um, a good player to an elite player? And elite players take their high school teams to different levels. They have another player that plays for me on that team, Jared Larry. I want to see if he could turn the corner and have an impact on that squad. So I'm, I'm looking at them. Uh, Flint Beecher. What's Flint Beecher going to do? Uh, Jalen Terry. Here, here's what you need to know. If you want to follow the best players in Michigan, I mean the best teams in Michigan, go look at the best players. Who are the best players? Now, I've named a bunch of really good teams. These teams have the best players in Michigan. So if you're looking for some teams to follow here in June, when you go to some team camps and you're looking at some of these, you know, this team is playing that team, just follow the best players. And you'll be rewarded and you'll see some good basketball. So looking forward to watching these teams at team camp. Um, Like I said, I'm going to go to, for sure going to go to Oakland's team camp because a lot of the best players and best teams go there. And we'll see. I want to see if if Amadi Bates can take his game to the next level. And if Isaiah Jackson is at Water Vermont, I want to check him out. I want to see who they got. Um, And a good chance to do that is during the summer. And for those people that take the summers off, especially in Michigan, June is huge. June is huge because the competition level that you're going to get during the season isn't always there. So in June, it's a way for you to gauge, you know, the level of talent that you have on your team and some kind of uh, competition level that you don't normally get during the school year. So uh, Derek Cummins, he runs a good summer league down at Depsa. Be paying attention to that. Uh, Make sure you go check that out. Make sure you go to Oakland team camp if you have time. Uh, because you'll see some high-level basketball. Um, it used to be the same. The same is no longer. It's not there. I don't quite know what they're doing with the same anymore, but they, they don't even really have high-level playing at the same anymore. I'm also going to be paying attention to Detroit King. Watch out for Detroit King. Omar Ziegler Jr. and Chauncey Willis. That, that's a tandem you need to be watching. I'm going to be paying attention to them too. So uh, just wanted to give you some high school teams if you're out and about and you got a chance to see some team camps as some guys compete, uh, some teams you want to be making a look at because we're going to be talking about some high school hoops because we're talking hoops, baby. What else is there to do? So this week I had the opportunity to watch a classic basketball movie. Uh, I've been substituting at a high school here in Saginaw. Just, you know, uh, to have something to do in the meantime, between time, between coaching jobs, or just jobs in general. And the assignment for the day was to watch Hoosiers. Now, the kids in the classroom, they could care less about this basketball movie uh, because it's, it's old. It was in the 80s and wearing short shorts. There isn't a three-point line. They're playing with a, a pure leather ball. Um, and it got me to thinking about basketball movies and w- what would be my top five if I had top five basketball movies. Would Hoosiers be in there? And for me, I, I'm not sure Hoosiers is in my top five. Now, that sounds crazy. You'd be like, Coach Cam, you mean to tell me Hoosiers is not in your top five basketball movies? And I'm going to tell you no. I'm, it's not. I'm not saying it's not a great movie. It's an outstanding movie. It's a great movie. It's probably six or seven down on my list. This is my iPod. This is my podcast. And I can talk about what I want to talk about. All right? And Hoosiers is not on the list because I don't relate to Hoosiers. I don't live in Indiana. All right, I'm not from French Lick like Larry Bird. Okay, I'm from Detroit. All right, went to Cassette. I don't relate to Hoosiers. 
I wouldn't wear my shorts like that. I never hooped in chucks. So I, I don't relate. But what movies do I relate to? Now, these are not in order. All right. I'm not going to go in order from one, two, three, four and five. I'm just going to name you my top five basketball movies. And the, 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 the first one I'll talk about is White Men Can't Jump. Wesley Snipes in the park. That's something kids don't do anymore. And this is why I like the movie, because I used to play in parks all the time. We used to go to park to park, have a couple guys. We go to this park. We go to Oak Park. We'll hoop out there outside. Guys don't even hoop outside no more. They don't. That's a lost art, playing basketball, playing three on three, playing two on two, one on one. All right. So white men can't jump. White men can't jump is there just for the aspect of guys hooping outside, that that adrenaline you get when, you know, now they were playing for money, so, you know, I never really played for money like that. I was just playing for the love of the game, but, man, we used to hoop outside all the time, so white men can't jump is on my list. Sunset Park. Sunset Park is in my top five. So I know people are telling you, like, what? How are you picking Sunset Park over Hoosiers? And because I relate. What did Drake say? Like Fred Rostar, stutting hard on this yellow goose. Hey, I relate. I relate to that, to that storyline. Inner city kids and you know um, having somebody take care of them and, and they playing the game a certain way. I I related to that. So and the and the the album for the movie was fire. Mob Deep had a, a a great track on there. Tupac had a great track on that soundtrack. So Sunset Park, Sunset Park is in my top five. All right, another one, Above the Rim. Ooh-wee. Man, it don't get no better than Above the Rim. Now, my dad used to get mad I used to watch Above the Rim so much. It's like, man, that's not a real basketball movie. But to me, I mean, it was cool, man. You know, you had Kylie Watson with the afro out the head, you know, and they go in the games and, you know, they, they watching you know, the high school game, the high school star going crazy. And then he got to back it up in the hood too. All right, is he going to play for the hood team or is he going to play for his school team? So, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. And it had a really good storyline, security guard, you know, dating, you know, Kyle's mom. And I just liked it. You know, I just got this thing for, you know, uh, New York basketball, man. I always wanted to go to Rucker Park. Never had a chance to go to Rucker Park. And, and go out in New York and get a chance to get that outdoor basketball feel. But a butter rim, man, it's got Tupac in it, man. It's got Tupac. Tupac's the greatest. You got to love a movie that got Tupac in it. So, and Marlon Wayans, cracking jokes. Come on, man. It don't get no better than that. All right. Another one that's off your radar. You've probably never seen this movie. This is also in my top five. A fish that stole Pittsburgh. You're like, what movie is that? It's in the 70s, early 80s, all right? Julius Irvin, Dr. J with the afro out there. Ooh, man, that was a great movie, great storyline, had some great players in it. The basketball in it was really good. It wasn't fake, all right? Some of these movies, the basketball is fake, and it, I laugh at it and be like, come on, man, that's just like, that's not even real. But the fist that stole Pittsburgh, you got a chance. I mean, you can't go to Blockbuster anymore. I see family videos that's open, and I don't know how. But if you have the opportunity to watch a fish that stole Pittsburgh, go watch it. Great basketball movie. Then I got a tie. 
I got a tie for number five only because I'm trying to fit more than five movies into my top five. So I just made it a tie at five. And the tie is between Coach Carter and Glory Road. Uh, two, two great stories. Uh, both of them were based on true stories. Um, my best friend had the opportunity to work on the Coach Carter campaign. And she had opportunity to talk to the real Coach Carter. And, you know, she told me that he was a real down-to-earth uh, basketball mind and that I paid more attention to that movie because of that. Some people have tried to say I act like Coach Carter sometimes. The only thing I didn't like about Coach Carter, practicing with a whistle and in your in his suit and wingtips, like, come on, man, put some shorts on. You in the gym, you a coach. Put some shorts on. Look like a coach. So, uh, did the same thing in Hoosiers. The guys in coaching in the suit. Like, no, man, I don't, I don't coach in the suit. Whenever I'm coaching or in a workout, had a workout this morning, young boy going to catch some of y'all. Uh, whenever I'm in the gym to work and I'm in shorts, that's what coaches do. You should look like a coach. So, uh, those are my top five uh, basketball movies. Uh, like I said, Hoosiers ain't in there. Like I said, this is my podcast, and I don't relate to Hoosiers. I don't. Good movie, great storyline, classic. Not saying it's not a good movie. I would just rather watch these five or six movies before I watch that. Before I wrap up this week, I want to say a big shout-out to Reggie Butler and the Big and Tall Man Camp. Had the opportunity to help him out with his camp a little bit. Some big-time players he had there. Caleb First, guy from Ohio, um, Andre Polk. Matt Nicholson, Lauren Bowman, Wendell Green Jr. was there. I mean, it was some high-level players getting some high-level coaching. And I appreciate the fact that he has guards come in as well because the posts don't feed themselves, you know. So guards still have to deliver the ball in the post. When they set ball screens, they're not setting on post players. They're setting on guards. So I appreciate the fact that he has wings in this camp that uh, uh, Pierre Brooks Jr., he was there. His phone will start blowing up June 15th. We're going to talk about that in the podcast in a couple weeks. Uh, he has some high-level players there. It should be two, 300 kids there. Instead, it's about 50 or 60, which is a really good number. It was at school, Craft College. So I want to shout out Big Reggie Butler for putting on yet another great big man camp for our kids here in Michigan and the Midwest. Has some kids from Indiana there, uh, a couple more kids out of state really good high-level camp uh, so if, if you have a big kid that needs some fine-tuning in this game you need to contact Reggie Butler at Full Court Vision on Twitter and get with him get in the gym with him he's very specific to the point and does a really good job so with that I want to close this episode of We Talking Hoops with Coach Cam episode number seven mile coming at you five I'm from Seven Mile, man. I gotta, I gotta, you know, my wife makes fun of me because she like, you ain't from that part of Seven Mile, but I'm still from the mile. But anyway, I want to wrap up this episode. We'll see you guys next week. And until that, I'll holler. Buckle up for this ride. That's what you need to do. Because this is Coach Cam and we talking hoops. Kid, kid, we talking hoops.